Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terrilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everybody, this is Felicia and I am going to start us off with a high five today. Um, Our family is going to go live in Florida for a little bit, which is a super high five for me because I do not enjoy winter like some other people. Um, (laughs) And we've been talking about doing this in the winter for a few years and it finally lined up. So we're really excited. We're leaving on Tuesday. Um, So when you're listening to this, it'll probably be the day we're leaving. It'll probably be when we're getting there. Um, And yeah, it's going to be so fun. We're just taking a suitcase each. So it's a little adventure. I know. I am so excited for you guys. I think that it sounds like a blast and I'll be living vicariously through you because <laughs> yes, everything will be dead here for the next two months at least. So I'm excited to <laughs> see all your adventures and I think that sounds so fun. And we will miss you too. It's like a little bit of bittersweet, but mostly I'm just really excited because you're not going forever. It's just a really exactly. fun month thing. Just, just a little hop and a skip and I'll update you guys on if we really like Florida. Because obviously we'll still be doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for all these technologies we can use. Um, so yeah, it'll be exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys too. Um, okay, well, mine is a face palm. I, um, Felicia, I don't know if you've experienced this, but for some reason, I've had this with both my kids. But obviously, right now I have a baby, and I'm that's at top of mind right now. Is diapers at night and peeing through them. Mm. And I don't, it doesn't happen every night. So that's kind of the hard thing is that it, well, well, I'm grateful it doesn't happen every night, but it's kind of random when it happens. And I would say it happens enough. Like it's probably, oh gosh, if I were to say maybe once a month, maybe every once in a while it's a little more and maybe it's a little less, but if I were to like say a cadence, which, so I don't know like why it happens because mm. I always so like I've always put my babies in the size up diaper at night because at some point when I had Emmett, I think I read somewhere to do that because it's like a longer period of time and sometimes it can help with night wakings. And I think it was right around the time where Emmett was kind of waking up more at night. He was like between six to eight months and I did that. And I don't know if that's what changed him from waking up, but he didn't. So now from now on, I just do that with all of the babies. I always just put them in a size up because it feels like that would be more comfortable because obviously they are, it is a longer time of them not having their diaper change. Anyway, it always seems to be fine. But then every so often, and I don't know what happens. Like, I don't know if I'm putting it on slightly wrong. Like if there's something skiwampus, but then they'll wake up and it's, it makes it hard. Cause it's like, sometimes you don't know why they're waking up, but it's hard. Cause then I always think, well, what if they're wet? Cause then sometimes like this just happened last night before, you know, like before I woke up at five to do this, where it was like, I went and got the baby. He woke up at five. So luckily it wasn't like right in the middle of the night, but mm-hmm. he woke up at five. And because I was going to be doing the podcast, I was already kind of awake and I went in to get him. And sure enough, he had like, he was wet, like all up his side, all down his little leg. And so it's hard because I'm like, am I doing <laughs> like, is there a fix? Has anybody else experienced this before? Because it makes it hard to know, like if they are crying, sometimes it's like, oh, if I just let it go for a little bit. But if they're wet, it's like, well, now, you know, I have to make sure that they're clean, but it's a whole rigmarole because then you got to change them out of their like sleep sack, PJs, put on a new diaper, put on all the other PJs. Uh, so anyway, that is a big face palm for me because I feel like I run into it just enough that I'm like, what is going on? Have you experienced that? Mm-hmm. And then they're more awake because you have to change them. Yeah, um, completely change them. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sh- like, I remember both having yeah, where it's like they wake up, and yeah, they are wet. So then you feel bad. I I mean, I've had kids wake up a lot of times soaking wet, and they didn't wake up in the night, which then I also feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know. I think the next size up diaper is wise. I know they do make diapers that are like overnight diapers. I've never 
use them, but I don't, and I don't know what the difference is, but it could be worth looking into if it's happening more. Yeah. Just enough that you're like thinking about it, you know? Okay. Well, that's good. Maybe I will look into that because yeah, sometimes I'm like, how is this happening again? Cause I feel like I, because of that, I feel like me and Cam both are like aware, <laughs> like, especially at right. night, I'm like aware of how I'm like snapping it on. Cause I'm like, okay, it looks yeah. secure. But <laughs> anyway, but then, you know, it's again, like occasionally it happens. And again, it's not often, but it's enough that when it does, I'm like, oh, it happened again. Anyway. You need like a little silicone seal on the edge. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, like something. Like maybe I need to yeah, like put some aquifer like around the little edges so it's like adhere to it. I, yeah, I don't know. But also, anyway. boys, they, who knows? They can pee out in all different directions, obviously. So you never know. Seeking out somewhere. You remember when Emmett was a brand new baby? There was something about the diapers that we were getting that I swear I would like put on it. It wasn't that it was an old diaper because it would be like a fresh diaper. And somehow like the pee would be aimed just perfectly <laughs> that it would like come up the front. And it happened. Yeah. That happened multiple times. And I was like, something is wrong with these diapers. And I actually <laughs> think it was. It was like that brand because then when I changed brands and we never ran into that. So I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I, I have had to get like the little tent at the top right at the waist. And yeah. with a boy, it's like, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah. funny. Diaper. Well, Diaper. definitely anything that wakes you up in the night is a face palm. And yeah. especially something like that where you're like, I swear we can avoid this situation. That's really yeah. frustrating. Yes. Oh, exactly. I'm feeling it. All right. Oh, also, let's do a face palm too. Carolyn has a little stomach ache, so she's not with us this yeah. morning. Let's face palm. Yep. We're sad. We're missing her. We're going to dive into some listener questions that we have gotten from you guys. And I just want to note, pre-note, that all of these listener questions, we love them so much. And we think that there's a lot that we could dive into in each of these in full episodes. So we are taking note of that because they're topics that we think that need more time. But we're just going to give you little... So a little blip of a tip today, and then we will keep these on the back burner for future episodes. So we are going to start with Britt McKelvey. She asked, can you give tips on routines? How can we coordinate our days to make sure everyone is getting what they need? And I first just want to say, I think every parent out there is with you on this question. And just know that I... I think we might feel like we're not doing very good if our expectation is that everyone gets what they need every single day. I think that's really tricky, um, especially if you have multiple kids and you're also considering your needs and your husband or your partner's needs. I just think that's like a big weight to put on your shoulders. Not that we all don't put it there and that's what we want. But I just want to note that some days, you know, it might be like a rotating system. (laughs) We're like some days, one specific kid needs a little bit more. And another one's not quite getting everything in quotes that you're perceiving that they need in that day. And I think just shifting, shifting our idea of that can be really helpful. And just knowing that you're not infinite. And but the needs are infinite. Like I really feel like with kids, there's always something with each of my kids. It's either like this one's struggling with something behaviorally or educationally, or um, they need a little more physical connection. And if we have the expectation that everyone's going to get what they need all the time, I think that's a heavy, heavy weight to carry. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think, Kaylin? Yeah, no, I think it's a good, because I do think sometimes it's so easy. Um, and my kids are little, so I am, I'm at the stage of life where, you know, both my kids are home and I am with them most of the day. So my, like my version of this question looks a little bit different because I am my time. I, most of my time and their time, like we're with each other. So mine almost turns to 
Like, because sometimes I'm like, well, did I give them enough like quality time? And yeah, it's an interesting question because obviously like we want to. So it makes sense why sometimes we're questioning that. But you're right. Like every, and again, my version is going to look a little bit different than for say you, Felicia, you've got two kids that are in, you know, in school all day and you've got four kids all together. So again, like just by the nature of that, your time is like, you're not going to see your older kids as much because they are gone for six to seven hours at school. And then they also have extracurricular things that they're doing also. And then, so it's hard because I think it becomes, it becomes even harder. Like the more kids you have and as they grow, because time just becomes more finite. Um, So I think it's a good thing to look at of like, instead of feeling, looking back and feeling like, oh no, like, did I give enough? I think, I think again, where I come at, and, and we've might maybe talked about this in another episode. I think like knowing, like having different set of, I think more in your stage of life, this is where I think about this, but like with different things that you know, you're going to have like, and I'm going to name a few things, but I think the beauty of this is that it is going to look different for every family. So these are some examples, but I think you're going to have certain times where for sure kids are going to be, you're going to be together with your kids before their school. So whether that's breakfast time and after school snack, carpool, even, I think sometimes, um, those, those ones like meals. So whether it's like breakfast, after school snack, dinner, those are a little bit easier to think like, okay, even if it's 10 to 15 minutes, I'm going to be intentional about like, you know, not going to have my phone. We're going to be all together, all those things. So I think of course those are important, but even I think sometimes like the carpool or some of those, uh, things that just feel like almost a means to an end where it's like, okay, well, it's just something that like the necessary evil of like, it just has to be done. Like they've got to get to school or they've got to get to soccer practice or whatever it is. Um, I've had somebody tell me this a couple times actually. So I am not at this stage of life, but where they were like carpool, it was interesting. She was saying she has kids that are all older teenagers, but she was, and but it was right before the first one got a license. So she was driving them still to a lot of things and she was driving their friends. And she did. She said, carpool is my secret weapon because she's like, if it's with their friends, a lot of times they forget that I'm even there and I hear all of the stuff going on. And um, and I love that. But she's like, but then if my, their friends aren't there and I'm just driving them somewhere, there is this element of like, we're both in the car and we're like, no one's leaving anywhere. Kind of, it's like almost like this is a set aside time. And I know that you're not distracted with, I mean, you're driving, but it's kind of like you're both there. And there's something, she's like, there's something that mag- magical that happens during that time because I feel like I do hear things like they just start talking about random stuff that maybe they wouldn't have at other times. And I thought that's just one example. I think there's probably other, uh, what's the word, tasks in our day that feel like the equivalent of a carpool where. I think we can even looking at it with the intentional thing of like, okay, this is a time where I'm with my kid and I'm going to use it just to like be present with them. And I don't know, those are some ideas that I think of because when time does become so crunched, I think using those times where it's like, you know, you're going to be with them anyway. Sometimes we can be intentional about like grabbing it of like, okay, they're going to be home for 15 minutes after school for an afternoon. I'm going to like make a little snack and be here with them during that time, even if it's not a long time. But then even those times where it's like, you know, you're going to be with them driving them somewhere, using that time to actually just be with them too. And I can actually, I remember like sometimes my mom driving me to like the orthodontist or something. So again, they weren't long periods of time, but there is kind of something about that where it was like, I do remember kind of like telling her different stuff that, um, I think just because like it was the nature of being in the car together. So I think for me, when I think about it, like using those as, as time starts to become more of a finite resource as they get older, using some of those times to like really be intentional. It might not be these long swaths of time, but I think using even those smaller times to be really intentional about being present, like no phone, knowing that you're there listening. I think that that goes a long way as they get older. What do you think? For sure. I, and we talk, you know, we can probably find a few episodes to link where we've talked about this exact, um, mindset shift. I really think it is a mindset shift in parenting because I don't think we 
we give any merit to the things we do, like, you know, the after school snack time or carpooling or changing a diaper or, um, yes, yeah, so if you're at home with little kids, counting the times that you're physically caring for them as connection time because your presence mm-hmm. helps when you need to get something done so you're not feeling like you're brushing them off. Because, you know, yeah. like I, I have been filling your bucket, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we think it has to be this like big to do and this one on one day and all of those sort of things when really all of those moments can be connecting times if we are aware of them being connecting times, if we're actually like in them. Um, So yeah, I really, I think if you change one thing overall, um, I would say, think about your intention behind the moments you are with them or when you're not. um, I saw this really sweet video of this, uh, dad who never saw his kids before they woke up in the morning because he left so early for work. Um, and so every single night before he went to bed, he just took like a simple little white napkin and drew him like a cartoon for their lunch the next day. And Mm. it was so sweet and like showed all the days of the cartoons. I'm sure we could find it, but it was just really cool because that, you know, they probably in the grand scheme of things are just like, yeah, my dad goes early to work. It's not a big deal. I see him after work, but just him taking that little bit of time makes it. So they actually are having a connecting moment in the middle of the day when they eat their lunches and find that little napkin. They're thinking Mm -hmm. of their dad. They're having that connection with him. And I think a lot of times we feel like we don't have a lot of time with our kids, but those, those little things are what our kids remember. And they, I think, I think they are bigger than we think if we're, if we are intentional about it. Totally. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Cause again, I think, cause again, in my stage of life, I do have so much time with them that it's, I think when I, if I start to feel guilty of like, oh, do I need to like give more time? It almost, it's hard because I almost think it creates like, I almost feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough, even though, yeah, like most of my time is especially when they're, I mean, you know how it is when they're so little. Yes. So much of my time and energy is just going into like literally like keeping them alive, feeding them, changing diapers, helping them get dressed, um, you know, like all of those things. And it does, it takes time and it takes energy. And so I think you're right. We've talked about this so many times, but I think it, it is worth stressing the point of if we see those rather than just like carpool, if we see them rather than just a means to an end, but actually see them as connecting moments, it does change because it's like, it turns into a beautiful moment for both of you. And I think, I think it can be easy to forget that, especially in that little kid stage, because, um, because you're doing it every day and you're kind of doing it all day. And, um, so I think, I think it's worth noting that it's like, we can see that as a beautiful connection point and then feel okay that sometimes when we're not necessarily like sitting down being with our kids, maybe we're doing something else. We do have these lots of moments of connection. And so I think taking away the guilt, because I think the guilt, again, I think there's nothing wrong with questioning if you want to do something different, saying like, ooh, am I feeling like I'm, do I want more connection here or there? I think it's okay to question, but I think just taking the guilt out of it, because I think that's not healthy for us or for them. Because if we're feeling like, oh, I don't know, I think that they can sense it too. And it's not, it almost kind of like taints. Cause maybe we then do things because we're almost feeling guilty, which I don't, I don't know if that's always healthy for us either, but I, I also want to note, I think questioning sometimes like where we're putting our time. I don't think that, that there's anything wrong with that. Um, totally. Cause maybe we do want to change something. Maybe we do want to put more time into something. And I don't, I think there's nothing wrong with that either, but. Yeah. And you might, when you question it, realize, oh, I need to take more time for myself. So when yeah. I am with them or showing up, it's with love and not with resentment or like, I just think like just even having this question is good, but yeah, don't feel the guilt or the shame about, you know, what you're doing in the moment. Cause it, yeah, it doesn't help. Um, Yeah. And I do, I'm glad that you said that because I think sometimes it might be, I am so glad you said that. Cause I actually feel like I've had that recently, like in the last few weeks, I was talking to Cam about it, my husband, cause I was like, I, I feel like I had a couple weeks 
of just like, you know, specifically, I feel like there was a couple weeks of multiple hard days. You know, when you get to the end of the day and it was like, oh, that was kind of, that was a rough one. Like that was just a lot and I'm feeling exhausted. And um, I feel like there was multiple days in a row of that. And I realized that part of the reason why I was feeling so depleted by the end of the day is because I really wasn't setting aside time to just like, because even when, even when, because, you know, I'd have one baby napping and even if Emmett was just like doing his own thing, I felt like I was just doing a bunch of, you know, I was just doing stuff that I needed to do, like whether it was dinner or housework or doing things that, whether it's like calling doctors or whatever it is, I feel like I was just doing that stuff, but I wasn't just taking, even if it was like 20 minutes just to do something that was like nice for myself, like whether it was like sitting down and reading a book or like doing whatever that looks like. I realized that like I hadn't had that through the, throughout the day. So it was like, no wonder by the 11th hour, I'm like <laughs> ready to scream at everybody. You know what I mean? Cause it was like, well, I haven't. So, but again, that is so, so I really, I'm glad that you said that Felicia. Cause I think sometimes it, it can be, oh, maybe I do want to be more intentional about putting time here or there for a different kid. And I think that's a good, it's always be good. I think it's a good question to have, but it can also look like, wait, because it's true. Then when I was intentional about showing up for myself and giving myself some time, I am a better, like you are a better mom or parent when you do give some time to yourself. Because then it was like, I was able to come back and like be refreshed and being able to handle situations that might've been harder. And it's better for my kids and for me. So I, I'm glad that you said that. I think there's a good, a really important message there. Yeah. I, it's easy to forget that as, as a parent. Um, there's one tip I want to give too for anyone who's kind of more of like a get or done type scheduler person. Um, and we'll link to this episode, but I recently interviewed a time management expert named Laura Vanderkam. And she, we talked about her new book, Tranquility by Tuesday. But the tip she gave for parents, because I told her when you have kids, scheduling and being good about you know this person's you know schedules like routines or question is about routines it's really hard to have these schedules and routines unless we're super intentional about it because little kids are just like so random and you never know what's going to happen and also even if you plan for something it could get thrown off the rails so the the tip that she gave that I really loved is instead of planning i mean fine, plan play dates or plan if you need to take your kid to the doctor, whatever. But she said, instead of, you know, those are like little events, but she said, if you look at your day and it's kind of more like the situation that Caitlin's in right now, where her kids are little and at home. And so you're doing a lot all day, but it almost doesn't feel productive or something. Like when you're, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely like a type A person. So I remember with little kids being like, what are we doing? Like, I'm so tired. I'm busy all day, but we've achieved nothing. (laughs) That's really how it feels. So she said, like, look at your day and choose, okay, morning time. So maybe that's nine until lunch. We, our intention is to, uh, you know, connect through nature. So that's intention for the entire morning. So whether that means you walk outside and get a little sun on your face, or that means you go to a park for like a longer play date. It doesn't matter. It's just, you have an intention for your parts of your day. Maybe, maybe the evening time is our intention is rest and like nourishing our bodies. So it it doesn't matter if that's sitting down and reading a few books together and you order a pizza because you don't want to cook dinner. Or maybe one day that intention turns into you're teaching your kid how to make some yummy meal because you have more energy. It, you still get to check off your goals. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I really loved that. that. I thought that was a cool way to think about the chaos of little kids turning it more intentional, even though you don't have a lot of control. Like you're still kind of flying by the seat of your pants. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Cause it's so true. It feels good to be like, yeah, we did. we did connect like in nature. And that was because, yeah, it's like with a little kid, what are you going to do? Like now we, yeah, it's like 
yeah, you can't really just like live your life by like mm-hmm. nine o'clock and we're going yeah. to um, <laughs> eat, like go to the bathroom, to, you know, like whatever it is. Like, no, you just kind of, yeah. So I, I think I like that a lot actually. Yeah. So we'll link that episode. Um, okay. That was a good question. Thanks, Britt. We are going to move on to a question from Kristen um, Valenta and she, she asked for just tips on, on handling how marriage changes after we have kids. And she's specifically wondering for tips on day to day, not just take one date night a week, which, you know, is the tip that we all know. And yes, we got to do the date night. But what are some other tips? Um, I also feel like this question we I would love to deep dive. We haven't talked a lot about, um, you know, like marriage and the balance there with kids, even though it, it plays a huge role in everything. Obviously, if you have um, a partner that's helping you care give for your kids, it's super important to figure out that relationship. So uh, we're, we're noting that we need to dive into this more. But my tip I wanted to give today is actually from Brene Brown, as are most of my tips. <laughs> she, <laughs> um, she says that her and her husband, they check in with each other around you know, whatever time it is, four or 5 p.m. in the evening before they're both about to be home. And they give each other a percentage of what they have to give that evening. Um, And so she'll say, oh my gosh, like I didn't sleep well last night. Work was super hard. I have only got 20% to give. Um, And her husband, you know, hopefully on this day is like, oh, no worries. Like I'm feeling good. I will handle dinner, whatever. But the point is that I feel like it's really easy to collide at the time that you're all getting home and expecting to be together. And then in your mind, it's like going to be this great like bonding time and you're going to have all this support from one another. And so you're setting yourself up with really high expectations (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then you do come together at that time and it's like, whoa, one or the other of you is like really tired or pissy or whatever. And you were not expecting it. And it really, it really can derail things quick. And so I just like that tip of, I mean, it's just simple communication, right? But it's like being really honest about, you know, I need this tonight. What do you need? Or I need this. And obviously that, expands to your entire schedule like if if you can look ahead at your week and know where you're going to need a little bit more help and if your partner's not able to give you that help where then you you know you can ask family or babysitter I mean you can expand that to bigger but on a day-to-day basis this has really helped me um find more peace and appreciation for my husband if but he can't, he can't be there for me unless he knows I need him to be there for me. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's my tip. Yeah. I love that. Renee also, um, in her, in the last book that I read, which was Atlas of the heart, or maybe it was a different one. Yeah, no, I think it was Atlas. Um, she talked about same thing. And it, I, it was funny because I actually, cause I just reread it for a recent episode that we did. And, um, cause I'd read it back in the summer and I almost had forgotten that I got this idea from her and that I had used it because I had been using it. And it was amazing because, again, it goes back to expectations. But she she gives the example of on ex, like on weekends, um, she, it was feeling like with her and her husband when one of them was gone for the weekend, it almost felt like the – so if just one of them was there for the weekend with their kids, it felt like the weekend went better for them. And they were trying to figure out like why this was because when they were both there together, it felt like their weekends weren't as good and they would end up bickering like, – fighting more together. And anyway, so they finally, what they figured out was they both had these kind of hidden expectations for what they, when both of them were there, they've just like assumed, okay, well, I'm going to get all of this stuff done. And I'm also going to be able to do these fun things and, and help the kids with all the things that they've got going on. But neither of them was great at communicating almost what those expectations were. And so they would both finish the weekend feeling really bothered because they'd be like, well, I wanted to do a yoga class and I wanted to do this and I, but like, or I wanted to get this, these projects done, 
but neither of them quite got it fulfilled because they had these expectations, but they never really were clear about them. And so um, it was interesting because I heard that and I, I remember like talking about it with Cam and now like I do that for the weekends. Cause I feel like we'll talk about it like on a Saturday, like, okay, what are some of the projects that we both want to get done? And then we'll kind of prioritize it's like, okay, if we get two things done, what are the main things that you really want to get in? And he'll say, I really would like to get a workout in and, um, you know, I, I'd like to change the oil on the car or whatever it is. And, you know, I need to do yard work and then I'll say the same thing and be like, okay, well, it's important for me to be able to go to this gym class and I'd like to get this time and whatever. But it's nice because then you're, first of all, you're being clear of like, cause then sometimes after we get done saying some of the things we need to get done, it's like, okay, we're not gonna be able to get all of this done. Like <laughs> someone's going to, like someone's. so then it's, but it's nice because then we can say, okay, we're going to have to cut a couple of these things out. What do we need to do and how can we support each other? Great. I'm going to watch the kids during this time so that you can do this and you're going to do the, you know, so it's nice because you're being clear about what each other can do, which I think, again, those hidden, hidden expectations, I think can really trip you up in a marriage because, and just any relationship, but especially in a marriage where it's like, I think, especially when one of you's home all day with the kids, then when you're both home, whether it's for a few hours at night or otherwise, I think it's good to tell each other, even if it's for those few hours at night when your partner gets home, it's like, okay, here's some things that I, like, if that's how it looks for you, it's like, you know, the kids have this going on. I know you have this and I have this. Here's some things that I either need to get done or I want to get done. And I think just like, it's not like it has to be this long conversation, but even just having a quick touch point of like, this is what I would like to get done. Here's what you have. How can we help each other with that? And I think it can go a long way because I think sometimes, again, we just almost assume that the other person would know would know that you want this or that or that you need to. And then you kind of like, I think it can end up being in a conflict. So I love that also from Brene. And I think um, at least for me, um, there's two thoughts that I have. It goes back to the communication thing. Cause I think for me, at least my husband is really, I think he really is good and he wants to be helpful. Like when he gets home, like he wants to be a part of helping me out and taking things off of my plate. But I think sometimes I'm not always good at First of all, sometimes I'm not always good at knowing what would be helpful for me. So I think it like, but I almost didn't realize that again because I almost think I was like, I think when I wonder if I almost have the personality sometimes too where I'm like, well, maybe it's just easier for me to like, I'll just do it instead of explaining it to you. But he wants to be a part of it. Like he's home and he's there for it. And so sometimes I think we have gotten into like, um, I don't know, like in just because I wasn't able to communicate like, hey, this is where it would be helpful for me for you to do these things. And I think it comes down to like, if you are like me, thinking about what do I need and want and then being clear of like, yeah, could you do this? And this is what would be helpful. And and um, there's a whole episode we um, on the podcast. There's a whole episode about this, but the fair, fair play, the book, mm-hmm. she talks about how like giving the expectations from the beginning to the end. I think I can't remember what she calls it, but it's like the planning, executing. Mm-hmm. I'm missing it. But yeah. if I can communicate, because I think sometimes too, where it can get hard is it's like, well, I am expecting him to do this job, but I haven't necessarily given him all the info for it. And then it becomes hard because I'm like, well, you know, he might not know exactly what I'm expecting from it. So I think, again, being clear of like, I'm going to, yeah, I'd love for you to help me with this. And this is maybe some info that you need to be able to like plan it, execute it, all of those things. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's something, and we'll post that episode because I actually think it goes into more detail in there, but I think just giving them all the information can be really helpful. And I, I think we don't always realize that we're not giving everything. Um, and the, and the last think- thing you want to say, oh, sorry, you go for it on that. No, I was just going to say with that, with, um, referencing that fair play episode, I think she says conception planning execution CPE. Is that yeah? What? I think that's like the acronym. But it's just to note that a lot of the times, the you know primary caregiver, if you're at home taking care of the kids, you are carrying that whole mental load of the system. So your conception, so you you know, like you're carrying the list, you plan the list. So say like take meal planning, for example, that's the easiest way to explain it. You're thinking of the meals, you're planning and ordering the groceries and you're executing. So you're making the dinner and 
if you're carrying all those burdens and it's starting to overwhelm you, the the only way that your partner can help you with that is if they take all of those parts. And sometimes, you know, with best intentions, they're like, oh, I'll just make dinner. But it's like, that's not the hard part, you know, <laughs> like, like getting the all the glory, you know. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. it's like, how can we communicate well enough that, and on both sides, like, there's a lot of burdens that um, partners carry that are, you know, maybe they're providing on, maybe they're working all day, or like we all have different responsibilities, but communicating both ways for the whole, like the whole of it, not just the the end game of the situation. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a, that's a really big part of it. Cause again, I think, I think about Cam and he, he really does want to help. And so I think again, just being communicative about and letting them, cause it is more than you're right. It's so much more than just the execution part of it. The other parts take time and energy too. So I love that. So that was one thought. And then I know that um, in this question, she discounted the, like, she was like, I know that we all get the advice about date nights and I totally get that. But I did just want to put a quick plug in here about it because I feel like I have heard that my whole marriage life of like, okay, make date, date nights a priority. But it was interesting because not until the last six months, like for whatever reason, we just, like, I know it's important, but like, we just have not made. And I think for me, like, especially when you have a baby within that first year, like, I'm such a big part of his going to sleep time. Like I do feed him right before bed and I have, I don't know. And I, so I feel like it was hard for me to leave, especially in like the evenings. And that's probably just something that I put on myself. But something that helped me is it was honestly, I remember when it was, it was in May and I was talking to a friend and she had just had a baby and she was like, no, we actually like one of us takes turn and every week, The other one takes and going back to the conception planning execution, like one of us takes that whole thing. So it's like of planning the date. So, you know, if I'm in charge, then it's like I find the babysitter, I plan what we're going to do, and then I make it happen. So if the husband's in charge, it's like they are in charge of that whole part. And she's like, and it's fun because each of us is taking turns, like putting time into making that time together special. But what I love about it too is that sometimes when you do have a brand new baby, it might just be an hour date. And maybe it is just going to like a restaurant that's, you know, a couple blocks away or something um, because that's how much you feel comfortable leaving for that amount of time. But I do think there is, because it's interesting because since then me and Cam have made it a big effort and like we do, we actually take turns every other month because it's just easier to remember it that way of like who's planning the dates and like making that happen. But what I love about it is there is something really amazing about like Even just simply like if you're going to go to dinner for an hour, not having to attend to other little kids during that hour and like you really are just together. It was amazing because I feel like I look so forward to it. And during that time, it's like such a nice connecting time. So even though I know it's like, oh, date nights, I know we should do it. I feel like we weren't always great at doing it. But just in the last six months, we've really made it an effort to like make it happen and man, there is something really great about it. So though I know that is like something that we receive all the time, I think actually like really making it happen. And if you feel like you're in a stage of life where it's hard to do, even if you do it for an hour, I, I think it's so, so nice and so worth it. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. And if you have to get creative, maybe it's a lunch or whatever. Yeah. I know some people who wake up early and like, they'll have their coffee together on their porch or whatever, like whatever it is to find those little moments where you can have that one-on-one connection. Mm -hmm. It is magical. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So, um, I just want to, yeah, put a plug in there for that. Um, okay. And then our last and final question is um, from Callie. And so she says, I'm going to read her whole thing. And then I think there's a really good point in here that I think many of us have experienced in one way or another. So she says, my oldest is a four-year-old and has always been so outgoing and sweet. She's been at a new daycare slash pre-K program for two months. She also turned four in June. So I feel like there are several possible factors going on here. I just have noticed a change in her attitude. I expected it at 12, but not so much at four. There's a Uh, There's a little girl in her class that I have seen that is pretty outspoken and sassy. And when I asked my daughter, 
who did you hear that from? Or who talks like that? She will name that child from school. So it's all fine and good that we can point to where it's stemming from, but how to explain her be- that her sorry, how to explain to her what an inappropriate tone is when speaking to someone or giving attitude, it's so hard because I don't feel like she really understands what she's doing or that she's doing it. I knew she'd give me attitude one day, but I thought she'd be old enough for me to explain what she's doing and her get it. Does that make sense? So um, I like that she brought this up. And I think at least for me, um, I I think there's a point here where um, where I really relate to this question is, so my oldest is three. And because um, he's my first, it's interesting because like anything that he does like I'm I'm very much in control of what he's exposed to right like he's it's not like he's in school he doesn't go anywhere where he's exposed to really anything that I don't expose him to so if he starts in like doing a habit or saying things um that I'm maybe not the biggest fan of I know he's not getting it from me he's like he's getting it from either other kids that he's been around or whatever it is and as again because he's my first kid I'm like oh my gosh like now he's doing this. What do I do? And if I know like where he's getting it from, it's hard because sometimes it's like, I mean, occasionally you can be like, oh, well, we just won't be with that kid. But, and maybe sometimes that works. Sometimes it's like a one-time thing, but sometimes it's also like, well, maybe you do see them a lot, whether it's at church or it's like a group of friends that you play with or whatever it may be. That's not always like your option is just, and like with her, it's not that she's going to take her out of the daycare program. So, um, So it's interesting because I've thought that before. It's like, oh, well, now, you know, he's doing this thing or, you know, for her, it's like doing these things that either I am annoyed at or I don't like that he's doing. So how do I, how do I deal with it without, because I think there's this element of like, I don't want to make it a big deal. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't want to make it a big deal because then I worry that that might increase them doing it. Because like, oh, mom thinks this is weird. Maybe I'll say it more. I'll do it more. But I also think there's this element of kids do, I mean, they're just curious little things. And so they will, they'll, they'll copy what other kids do just simply because they're like, oh, that was interesting. I'll try, like, let me try that. So I think, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll do it forever either, but if they get a certain attention out of it too, you know, then Mm -hmm. anyway, so it's interesting because I've totally thought this before and I do have questions about it. Um, I, I think there is an element to sometimes when we do just when we're just curious and we just observe and try not to bring too much attention to it, I think it doesn't give it power. But I also think on the other side, there is an element of like, it depends on what it is, right? But I think there's an element of like, okay, but I also want to teach them that this isn't okay to do either. So I don't know, Felicia, you have four kids, obviously. And and I think there's an element too. When it's your first, it's different because then by the time you have subsequent kids, they're also now being exposed to, you know, whatever their older siblings say, whatever they got from school. And now that it's like a subsequent kid, I think there's maybe something there that it's like, okay, this is maybe not as big of a deal as I thought it is. So Felicia, I'd love to hear what maybe some of your thoughts are on any of this. Oh, it's probably one of my least favorite parenting situations because it's really, it's like, I guess is triggering the right right word. It's really like, oh, it just feels like really frustrating when your kid's either like saying, yeah, having a really mean attitude or saying potty words or, Mm -hmm. you know, saying stuff that you know they have learned from outside places or doing things that behaviors. So just want to acknowledge that it's really frustrating and that happens to every single kid. Yeah. Um, I would say my, I guess, tips for this, the things that I've seen work with my kids are if it's something, you know, that's um, more trying to think of a good example, I guess calling, you know, like calling names or like talking in a really rude tone or something like that. Something that I've seen work for my kids is to say, oh, that's new. I haven't heard you say that before. Um, and I'll even sometimes ask them, you know, where where did you hear that word? Or, you know, like, 
do you have like did you have an experience with so when someone said that to you or something and ask them just how how did you feel when someone was like you stupid idiot and you know obviously they're like not good and I was like and I'll usually say do you like is that a way that like is that a way that you want to make somebody else feel because when you're saying that to your brother like that you're making him feel how you felt when someone said that to you and you're saying you didn't feel very good is that Mm -hmm. how you want to choose to be to another person that almost always works (laughs) for my Mm -hmm. kids because they're like wait but that's a different example than you know like potty words or you know I've had kids pick up like baby talk that's Mm -hmm. A big one, you know, where I feel like every kid has gone through like this, no, where it's not really like offensive necessarily. And in those cases, I kind of take the just ignore and it hope and hope it goes away approach. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful. I, I think you're right. Being curious, not bringing a lot of attention to the ones that are benign. Yeah. Um, but it's hard when it's like the attitude or the anger or, you know, like hitting or those kind of things you do want to, I do in some way want to like nip it in the bud, but it is, it is tricky to go about it the right way. Because again, you, you don't want to draw all this attention to it and then have them do it more. Um, with my kids, when I've brought attention to things like that, it I haven't seen it like escalate it because usually with those kind of things, in my experience, they've been in a situation where they were either around someone that was talking like that or being like that or were being talked to like that. And if I can help them see how that didn't bring a good energy into the situation. Mm-hmm. I think they're doing it because they're almost either embarrassed or hurt or trying to make it like not a big deal. But I think there is underlying emotion. Like maybe this little, I don't want to like dive too deep into it and make this mom think something weird, but like maybe this little girl, the friend is really having a bad attitude towards her and not treating her good. But instead of, being sad about it, she's mimicking it to make it like lesser in her mind. And I I have seen that a lot with my kids where they're trying to make it like, well, I guess this is just what kids do, like talk to each other like this. And mm-hmm. really like teaching your kids to know that it's okay to f- not feel good when someone talks to them like that and not want to treat other people like that. For me, I think is, it, it works. I think it's like, it's valid and like to acknowledge their emotions about those situations. My kids, usually when I bring up stuff like that, they will start crying. Like, yeah, he did say that to me and it really hurt my feelings. And, you know, in the end they're like, yeah, I don't want to talk to other people like that. So I don't know. There's kind of like two sides to it, goofy stuff and like serious stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is a good distinction to make because I think, so what I'm hearing you say is if it is a more benign thing, like, it's maybe annoying, but not, not uh, harmful. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if it's that, maybe going with the approach of like, I'm just gonna let it ride out and not bring attention to it. Maybe just be curious about it, and I can observe my own feelings about it because maybe I am feeling annoyed. <laughs> like maybe I am feeling all those things, but just like taking more the approach of like, I'm just gonna let it ride out. Whereas if you feel like it is more, whether it's harmful or you know rude or if it, whatever that looks like um you're saying that taking more the approach of maybe asking them some questions of like well how did that feel for you and asking them maybe where they heard it because I do think there's something there well again the reason why especially at least with my age it's like the reason why they're saying it is I know they've heard it from somewhere because I know it wasn't with me which they're with me all the time it's like I know they heard it from somewhere so yeah being curious like oh where did you hear this and like where did that come from um I think that's important and I think yeah, I think that there's definitely power there. Do you feel like if so so if they ever say stuff um like after you've kind of already addressed it of like, hey, you know, like 
So it's not okay to, I, I don't know, we're going to say name calling. Like it's not okay to call your brother that. And, you know, you've kind of gone through the thing of like why, you know, didn't make you feel good, all that. If it happens again, do you, I don't know, have you had it then like happen again? And do you just kind of approach it the same way? Like, hey, I can't let you say that. Or what, I mean, where do you go? It's hard with saying things, I think, because it's like, I can't really control what you say. You know what I mean? Like you're going to say it. So I don't know. What do you do if, if maybe they do do it again? Yeah. Cause it's kind of like with hitting, you can stop it, but with words, they just come out. Right. Um, yeah. I, so this is what I do. I'm not saying it's right. Uh, but my, so I have my six-year-old, he definitely goes to that like quicker, like you're stupid, you know? And mm -hmm. Just when he does do that, I do emphasize that in our family, we don't call names. Calling names hurts someone's heart the same way that hitting someone hurts their body. So I usually will say, it seems like you need to take a minute away from playing with everyone. And so we'll go sit, whether it's on the stair in another room or wherever together until he's calmed down because I just... I take it as like a moment of dis dysregulation. Yeah. But that's totally. again when he's doing it like out of anger. It's like the same as hitting. But sometimes yeah. kids are just saying words, but they're more like playing. Yeah. And the only the only tip I have for that is because I have younger kids and obviously it's more like the school age kids that will pick that stuff up. Um I do try to emphasize, like, I don't want us to say that in our house because then Sunny, Wes, like your younger siblings are going to learn that. And I, I just don't think it's like a great choice of words. So can you think of another word to say that silly and funny, you know, and we've talked about this also on the podcast, like, give them a challenge instead of saying like, you poo poo bum, like, come on, you can come up with something better and turn it into a game. Like, can we think of like a funny, silly word? And and that sometimes is helpful because they're kind of just doing it to get like a laugh or attention. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And I have seen that's, I feel like that's helpful too. In playful parenting, he talks about that, like just using silly, just coming up mm -hmm. with silly words, like let off steam. Because I think too, sometimes... I think some of those words that we don't want them to say do kind of build up almost like a like a tension around them. Mm -hmm. And so I think like coming up with other silly words can almost like let off that tension in a silly way of like and you can like play around of saying like well whatever you do don't say and then like come up with something ridiculous and sometimes that can just like let off of like I really do want. Anyway, he I think playful parenting uh what's his name? Lawrence Cohen, he talks about a little bit of that which I think, I think there is power in that of like letting them say silly words that are, and like giving them other options rather than maybe some of the words that you don't want them to say. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and I want to note too, with this question from Callie, she says, um, you know, my oldest is four. She's always been so outgoing and sweet. And then she goes to this new daycare. And then she says, I feel like there are several possible factors and I don't know what those are. She doesn't go into them. Um, but just remembering that there also could, she could just be totally mimicking this girl. And in that case, I might just say something like, you know, in our family, we really like to talk to each other respectfully because it's way more helpful. I can help you if you're talking to me respectfully and if I were to yell at you and talk disrespectfully to you it would hurt your feelings like just that conversation like in in our family this is how we're going to choose to communicate but also um there it could just be a phase she's going through with her age and so you know this is just something you can change inside of you but trying to find a place of like acceptance and empathy for what you say are several possible factors. Maybe, maybe she has a new baby. Maybe that's a new school. Maybe just recognizing that she might be a little sassy right now and she might just be looking for 
some more connection from you. And so getting like frustrated at her about the attitude is not going to provide the connection that could maybe in the end, like heal that attitude that you're not wanting. So I guess just like having a little awareness of that. It might just be a phase and all you can really do is kind of accept her even in that phase, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point that I think as parents, it's really easy to, and and again, I think there's validity here, but just to question like, well, why are they doing this? You know, is it because of this? And it's true. There's a lot of factors that could affect why maybe a kid's behavior might be acting up a little bit, you know, like Mm -hmm. whether all the things that you'd think of new baby, maybe they're learning a new developmental thing. Maybe they're not sleeping. Like maybe they're simply just more tired, maybe because they woke up earlier. You know, there could be a million reasons why. And it's funny because I think sometimes I have to remind myself, I'm like, sometimes I don't need a reason to just like, sometimes I'm a little fussy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know why. And you know, there could be a million reasons, but I think, so I think sometimes it's great. And I think there's validity to maybe questioning like, Oh, maybe this is why, like maybe this is why. And I think there's good there because sometimes we can actually change the root of it and be like, Oh, maybe he needs more sleep. I'm going to do this to, you know, whatever it may be. I think there's validity there of questioning maybe why, but also I think sometimes it's also good to recognize like they are just kids and they are just like, figuring things out. They heard a kid say something and they're going to say it too and see what happens, whether they, because they think it'll get a reaction or not. Like they're just, so I think sometimes it is, and it almost takes the power out of it just to realize like sometimes there isn't a huge reason why a kid might be doing it. Sometimes it is just simply, they're just kids. And I think realizing that too can, I don't know, it gives me some peace that it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know what? It could just be a phase and it's going to go away. There doesn't have to always be this root reason. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there's not, and it's okay. Yeah. And gosh, every time I look at this question, there's like layers. So I want to add one more thing that there, you know, as much as when I'm saying like with my boys, that that being vulnerable about when someone hurt their feelings isn't always accepted. Like the crying isn't always accepted for boys. I think the same thing applies if you flip it with girls, like, sometimes girls that are more demanding having like attitude or sassy, all these words bossy um, aren't as accepted in girls and women. And so you could take the approach if you're, you know, going down like the, how can I accept this phase more like support her of saying something like, wow, you're feeling really strongly about, wearing your cheetah shirt like you really want like you are telling me what you want like using words like that instead of like you know you're really being a leader about us leaving the park like you want to really like have your like thoughts heard like just acknowledging that it isn't bad to say what you want to use your voice powerfully and sometimes girls don't always get that message that it's okay Um, so when we use words like, oh, she's being a little sass or she's being bossy, like all those things can build up to like a negative connotation around being a leader. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm, that happens to boys too. I just think for girls, it's less accepted a lot of the time. So Mm -hmm. that could be not anything to do with this girl, but just a note when I was reading that. Yeah, no, that's a good point that it might Yeah, it's it could just be, yeah, when we see that, that they maybe are just being really outspoken about whatever it may be, and we yeah. don't have to necessarily see it as, because I think sometimes we do, we bring forth our own context and judgment of like, oh, well, yeah, maybe she's being bossy or sassy, but we can take yeah. that label out and just maybe be more curious and observing it. Yeah. yeah, I love that. All right, guys, these questions were amazing. We always love listener questions. They are so great. Um. We want to ask you guys this week for a little favor. If you have a listener question, if you could leave it in a review, that would be amazing. Um, reviews help us so much, and then we can help you guys. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Let's find the magic. guys, it's Felicia. I just wanted to give a quick thank you to all of you who listen 
I really feel inspired and close to our community. We got a new review this week, and it says, Ladies, I cannot tell you how much I look forward to each episode you produce. I love the truth you all share and real examples of how to begin and attain conscious parenting. I always walk away feeling inspired and ready to take on any task. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and truths. And I just have to say, it means so much to us when you guys leave reviews, not to mention helps us. So if you feel so inclined to leave a review, just open Find the Magic podcast in your podcast app. Scroll to the bottom of the page, click on Write a Review, and tap the stars to rate us and give us some feedback. We love to go here to find questions for episodes and to connect with all of you on what you're wanting us to research and distill and share. It just really means so much, and we make this podcast for you. So thank you all. Don't forget to hit send on your review. All right, let's find the magic. (coughs) Me, 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 me. (laughs) Brown cows. (laughs)